Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Sammy Roberts and I'm joined today by... Phil Savage. That's it. That's it. It's just two writers today because uh, everyone's gone on holiday. Andy is climbing Ben Nevis for reasons I'm still not clear on. <laughs> I insisted he just had a burger and a pint and sat down, but he wouldn't do it. He actually went to Scotland to climb a mountain. Yeah, that's, um, that's who he is now. And as I understand it, he did it just for uh, a Twitter uh, traction as well. So yeah, if he's not getting the social media likes about, uh, and like retweets from this, then he'll be furious. But, yeah, um, it's at ultra brilliant. Go go follow him and, and find any mountain tweets to fav. <laughs> just, just to keep him happy. And uh, Tom Senior's gone to Glasgow to read because he's hideously middle class <laughs> um but uh yeah and uh so yeah you've got me and phil uh, i was at e3 last week and yeah. uh phil was here sending two magazines in my absence because he's a good egg like that <laughs> and uh yeah we're going to pick up on some of the games that was, were talked about last week i listened to the podcast i thought i could elaborate on some of the things that were were mentioned on my behalf in my absence right some wrongs yeah well uh, sort of <laughs> um so we're going to start with uh watchdogs 2 i don't know why i put watchdogs 2.0 because it's not actually called that is it no but it's the sort of thing that it would be called <laughs> yes um, I think it's like two. Is it you know, still watch underscore? It's still dogs, watch underscore it? dogs, uh, but just two. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so I played a bit of this uh, uh, as Phil discussed last week. Uh, basically, I did some open world stuff. So okay. it's very, uh, it's very kind of a Assassin's Creedy in some ways. Like you, um, the platforming in Watch Dogs Two is the Assassin's Creed platforming, yeah. um, which is like uh, mildly disappointing, but. It's much more functional than this one. Um, they said today, I think Ubisoft, that there are no kind of like towers, uh, Assassin's Creed style towers right. to uh, climb and sync up. It's uh, it's all fine. You do it all on your phone, I assume. Um, so it's basically just functional to help you mm. get up on top of buildings and stuff like that. Um, the uh, mission in the game that I did, I actually did a couple. Um, one in co-op, because uh, obviously there's seamless co-op in Watch Dogs 2, mm -hmm. and uh, one in single player. Um, so I think San Fran is a really nice setting, actually. Yeah. Um, so the, I think I started on Pier, I think it's 39 the one that's got the sea lions on it that sounds right yeah it's the one that's got um loads of sort of trashy restaurants and sea lions on it and there are no sea lions on this one but there are sea lions in the game they're just on another pier that's one of the things Mountains. i learned <laughs> yeah exactly so they've broken uh you know continuity there um, sea lion continuity <laughs> but uh it was it's really quite a, a vivid pretty setting like it's uh it's it's very cool and like i looked at the map screen um and it's gigantic like mm. it's uh loads and loads of water and basically um oakland marin county uh and san fran dotted around it i take it it's all like squashed up in that kind of very interpret that that interpretation style of, of yeah. how open world maps are because if you look at the actual areas they're doing like on an actual map they're that's a huge area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking uh, anywhere in San Fran takes forever. Yes. Um, and uh, is nearly impossible because it's very steep. Um, so, yeah, I think it's basically catching the essence of those places. San Fran mm. certainly looked the biggest on the map. But I think they'll all feel substantial in themselves. I'm pretty sure the dev said to me that the map will be over twice as big as it was in the first game. Okay. Uh, but you do have all that water as well. So, I don't know. I'm sure it'll work out. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 I was uh, quite impressed by it. Like... Um, I think a key thing with its longevity will be how many kind of different hacking abilities you can pick up as you go. Yeah. Um, because in the in the bits that I played, so I basically got my drone out. Um, I had to go to this dock uh, and like uh, basically go into this office and take a thing. I don't remember what it was. Um, and so yeah, the dock was guarded by like some uh, human guards and uh, dogs, as Phil talked about last week. And uh, basically, I, I hacked this. Um, uh, like a transformer you can do it so you can weaponize it and mm. then you can do another hack which lures an enemy towards it and then that takes the enemy out um so i did that on a kind of like couple of different things um you can hack the dog as well so you uh, 
zap its collar and take it out. Doesn't right, kill okay. it. <laughs> Doesn't kill it, but it just puts it out. And uh, yeah, in this case, I zapped the dog, put it out, but it woke up and then I ran a car over it um, because you can also make a car lurch forward or backwards by using a hack as well. Mm. I assume that turns into a more full-featured car control hack as you go through the game. Why do dogs have hackable collars? I don't know. <laughs> because it's a Ubisoft game. <laughs> um like the car thing I sort of get like technology in it the internet's in everything these days but yeah. dog collar internet <laughs> so in this one scenario you could do that, that mm. as a kind of like um, you know you could try and take as many enemies out from doing that as you could you could go in with a gun and just shoot them all just shoot peeps um, you've also got a taser gun so you could stealth it um, the stealth's uh, pretty good I'd say it's probably about as good as Assassin's Creed's uh, sort of stealth except maybe a little bit more refined in terms of knowing when enemies see you and when they don't you hide behind objects, don't get caught, all that sort of thing. Um, and then if you are caught, you can still zap an enemy with a taser and not be uh, not sound an alarm or anything. Hmm. You can do that. And you, um, in this case, uh, I died the first time through the mission because it's like a one of those kind of like lifts, those car lifts, right? Which I hijacked, I climbed on top of, then hijacked, then like raised it um, uh, to get to the rooftop where the the thing I had to steal was, and. Uh, when I took control of Marcus again, the main character, I accidentally fell off the dolly crane and died. <laughs> and the dev was uh, found that quite embarrassing. He said, you managed to um, run over a dog and like hack all these guards and all this sort of stuff, but you couldn't operate the crane thing properly and you fell to your death. It's a bit embarrassing, and it was. Um, so we did that, and then there was... Uh, and there was, it was good fun. Like, you... Uh, there was... It's not like Hitman in terms of the amount of ways you can do things, no, but you've got a, enough tools that it will feel like you're able to imprint it in some way with your own kind of like mm. uh, method and approach. So that was cool. And then um, another player dropped in, and uh, we drove over, I think in the same car, to this kind of like hideout place where, again, we had to kind of steal a thing. Right, you drove over to... I thought you were going to say, oh, yeah, we drove over hundreds of dogs. <laughs> Just <laughs> mowing them down. Well, there's, um, there's one really good hack, which I didn't really get to see in action, but you can, um, you can call a hit on anyone in the world. You okay. hack their phone and you make them, like, a most wanted person. Then some, like, gangsters will turn up and just open fire on them. <laughs> which is pretty amazing. I think that's really cool. I like that. But that's like um proper uplink shit. <laughs> so I tried to do that, but the... Um, and, a, and a red car turned up, which apparently meant to have the gangsters in it, but the, the game's not far enough along that they actually were able to come out and open fire yet. Right, so, okay. But that will be in the game, clearly. One day that will be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think if they can just keep adding kind of cool novel stuff like that that makes the most of the fact that it's a sandbox game, then it'll be good. Like my, my prom Sorry, go on. Uh, that, that's very much like the promise of the original Watch Dogs demos was like the idea of, oh, you can hack the traffic lights and you get this emergent destruction and stuff. Yeah. And it turned out it was very much just a canned thing that happens each time. But yeah. there's a very much like the, the original promise it seemed like they were going for. So yeah, I think so. they can push that a bit more. Even a little bit of the original pro promise of Assassin's Creed, the mm. first one, where yeah. it's like you can approach these assassinations however you like. Um, because when we... Um, hacked the hideout we sorry approached the hideout next time like I did a couple of the same things like a weaponized a transformer hacked a dog um, <laughs> that was <laughs> fell, off, fell off a foot <laughs> <laughs> no but I did um, we were trying to stealth it and then I did um, I was accidentally uh, my drone flew a bit too low and they saw it and they they started opening fire and the other guy was like alright then like, we can sort this out I'm sure so it basically turned into a firefight where we kind of um, cleared each other out mm. like I I uh, covered this this guy where he ran into this little hut where the thing whatever it was we had to get was and he captured that 
have made an escape. And then there was a, another guy who was actually running away with what the intel that apparently you needed. Um, so an NPC was just on foot and he got on a bike to leave. And then I hacked his uh, bike so it went backwards. And then I just shot him in the head with a taser. And then it's like took good. the thing. And then, um, then I got on the bike and got my other guy. I think... I don't actually know. I can't remember if he got on the back of the bike or not. I think I asked him to. Maybe he just refused. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, and then and then drove off. And that was really really cool. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, that was making the most of the hacking ability, and it it felt like a. It certainly felt more sandboxier than a GTA mission, GTA Five mission does. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was I was actually quite impressed. Like it feels a little bit rough around the edges. Like the shooting doesn't feel perfect to me yet. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I th- I think they're on the right track. They've got basically gone borrowed a little bit of Saints Row's tone and I don't think that hurts yeah no definitely it looks really promising yeah Uh, looking forward to seeing if it works I hope Uh, hopefully it will be hopefully it will be Watch Dogs Assassin's Creed 2 where Mm. they kind of realise what they have with the first game but can improve it yeah yeah it's funny like one of the things that didn't quite feel right to me in the game is that and I appreciate it's in there because it's a sandbox game you can do what you like it's I it doesn't feel right when your main guy gets a gun out and starts Mm. shooting people like it's got this sort of like fun like well, hey sort of tone and then suddenly you just pull out an AK-47 I'll just open fire on these dudes and kill them like it doesn't quite feel it right doesn't, yeah it doesn't quite match up with 3D printed tasers and yeah. <laughs> ball on a rope <laughs> and those fun cutscenes where he's interacting with that absolute douchebag who's got <laughs> emoticons for eyes um, which I, I, yes. think, I think you, I think everyone must have just saw and gone bleh yeah there was time. a lot Twitter did have some opinions on that man <laughs> But I actually don't mind that too much because yeah. I think they are they are somewhat aware that it's daft. Like I don't think they're being it's uh, it's better to me than them being super sincere I mean, about hacker culture like they were before. That character wouldn't have fit in Watch Dogs One, no, because it would have had to be some like super serious, yeah, I'm all brooding hacker, yeah, kind exactly. of thing. And it's like, well, no, nah, it's better when this stuff's absolutely just look to the film hackers and mimic that in every way possible. <laughs> That's well, my yeah. life lesson. <laughs> okay, well, that's that's good. Uh, that's good advice, Phil. Um, but yeah, it, it looks promising to me. Seamless co-op, just a really good idea. And uh, what they're doing yeah. with um, like competitive multiplayer is it still that kind of invasion based? I um I actually can't remember what they said about that. To be okay. honest. <laughs> um, it was we just did co-op stuff. Like um, I don't know. I, I assume that's still a part of it because the idea is that human yeah. players just appear throughout the world as you go. Um, but yeah, I'm afraid I don't I don't exactly know. I'm assuming it's still a part of it. We will see. Mm. Um, so, uh, on the other end of uh, the Ubisoft quality scale, Phil, you've been playing Trials Blood Dragon. Trials of the Blood Dragon. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Okay. Um, so, this is, a, I guess, like a spiritual successor to Far Cry Blood Dragon. Yeah. Um, and uh, and an actual sequel to Trials, kind of. Um, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Remember, remember Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon? Remember, I do. Yeah, remember how that was a kind of awkward... This 80s sci-fi take on on the Far Cry formula. I think everyone thought, oh, that's a new kind of Far Cry shard that they can go off to and we can have interesting sandbox adventures within this world. But it turns out Blood Dragon is just a setting that they can inflict on other franchises <laughs> within... Just Dance within Blood U- Dragon. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Based on the fact that nobody expected Trials of the Blood Dragon to be a thing. Yeah. Um, it's awful. It's so bad. Uh, it's it's uh, it was announced on stage at the Ubisoft conference, and it was announced in very much in a "this is out now" kind of way, which yeah. took everyone by surprise, but also maybe let them kind of shuffle it. They don't have to talk about it ever again. <laughs> it's out there now, and they can just pretend it isn't. So this is a 
uh, Trials game that has some on-foot platforming elements yeah, in it? Yeah, it's uh, it, Trials, uh, if you haven't played a Trials game before, it's a side-scrolling bike game. Um, so you just go forwards and back backwards across these 3D levels but across a 2D plane uh, and the challenge is very much uh, positioning your bike forwards and backwards so that you can clamber over obstacles and make jumps and it, it's all about navigating very tricky terrain um, and they're really enjoyable like Trials Evolution is a really good game unfortunately it's not as great on PC where they didn't release all like some of some great DLC they had that just never came oh, right. to PC for some reason. I think it was Xbox exclusive or something like that. Oh, great. Uh, annoyingly. But um, they have been really good. Fusion was the last one and it was a bit of a dip in quality. But like the general, this is a bike and you're going over some terrain is really good. Yeah. And it's really good here as well. When you're on a bike, that's great. It works. Uh, but it also highlights how bad the bits not on a bike are. And you say they've got some, slides, uh, some side-scrolling platform sections and they are appalling in a way that genuinely shocks me. Like... Ubisoft's a big publisher. They've probably got, like, internal quality control, right? There must be somebody whose job is to play a thing and see if it's good. Mm. And I don't know what went wrong in this case because, like, the act of doing a jump feels bad. It, it feels unpleasant to do. Like, this is a weird point I make in the review, which is it should go up... It should be up by the time this is released. Yeah, I think um, you're going to go uh, finish it after yeah, this podcast, and I'm going to read it. Put the, put the final <laughs> few boots in, and then we'll publish it. Um, like, if you read criticism about platformers, a lot of you, you see the words floaty and imprecise quite a lot. Yeah, you know, it, but but floaty and imprecise are words that you apply to platformers that just fall short of greatness. It's like ah, oh, this is just sort of this nagging thing that kind of stops it from being really good. Right. This is floaty and imprecise to the extreme. Like, the the weight feels wrong, the trajectory, the momentum, every part of it just feels bad. They're not even frustrating sections. Like, they're really trivial to do. You just sort of jump on some boxes and you shoot a few things. But it just doesn't feel good to interact with that system. Hmm. And that's... That's that's a problem. <laughs> that's the thing that shouldn't really be the case. Like, uh, if so, if if anyone's played Trials Evolution, they had a custom um, track editor and used to create their own track, and it was quite powerful as a thing. Like, people created first-person shooters and first-person parkour things. You do that. Exactly, and they were sort of bad. Like, they they weren't <laughs> fun to control, but you got away with it because mostly you thought, oh, this just sort of feels really surprising and subversive. How how did they do that within this engine? Yeah. And it's it's like that was an excuse for this platforming. It's like, okay, well, maybe we can put some of these weird modes into into the Trials engine, whatever it is, into, into this format. And when it's from the official developers, it feels less subversive and acceptable that it's awful right. it's like it's, you shouldn't be allowed to get away with that oh dear you can't you so, can't pay money for that so like um okay well that sounds really disappointing yeah. I, I can't i remember now actually that my last job working in xbox magazine like um watching trials come in in 2009 and everyone in the office being like holy shit i can't believe you know mm. what this is and then you uh yeah and 
you cut forward uh, seven years and I just saw over someone's shoulder, it just went a guy, uh, 2D platforming, fell off a, a platform and then the screen just went, your mom. I yeah, think, that's yeah. the blood dragon influence kicking in. Yeah. It's very sort of childish. Um, Is Michael Bean in it again? Uh, yeah, I think so. That his character is, I assume it's him. Uh, yeah. I'm bad at voices and <laughs> recognising who's speaking. So. I couldn't tell you what Michael Bean actually Yeah, this is the like, thing. Like, yeah. The only reason I know he's in it is because everyone made a really big thing of it when he was in Blood Dragon. Uh, I've not checked any press releases on this one. Yeah, but yeah. his character is there. It, it continues the story. You play as his kids. Uh, uh, they're like teenagers and they're on Rallycross. And you're like, okay, well, if this was just like using the trials formula to make a dumb story in which they just on bikes and do stuff that'd be great yeah it'd be fine you yeah. could you could do that and it would be funny because of the restriction i think yeah um and the cutscenes are quite funny like the story's is dumb and it doesn't make much sense from a this is meant to be like an 80s cartoon perspective because yeah. 80s cartoons had less violence and dick jokes in them than right. blood dragon thinks blood dragon <laughs> but- yeah blood dragon's whole thing was like um i know that there's there's definitely been a sort of backlash to it in the last few years but at the time like it really was a refreshing nice little oh this it's is a you know really popular and I, I must admit I never really got into Blood Dragon I really wanted to like it based on the trailers and things that happened before it was re- released I was like really into dumb absurdist 80s parodies you, but yeah. then it opened and Far Cry Blood Dragon had this awful tutorial thing where it was, the joke was look how bad our tutorial is it only lasts for like three minutes it lasts longer than that <laughs> the problem because they have the tutorial joke where they're making a fun of oh how bad is this tutorial it just keeps going on we keep having pop-ups and it's really annoying yeah. but then that finishes and they just do the standard Ubisoft tutorial thing where there are help tips tool tips coming up every ten minutes for the rest of the game and you're like if you're gonna be subversive don't then fall into your exact same trope yeah, a lot of people have leveled that at it, but um, I, I think the, also the um, the optimum uh, sort of like player of Blood Dragon is someone who hasn't exhausted Far Cry Three, and like yeah. Um, yeah, that was the other thing. Like I think a lot of people were tired of it, and it was basically a reskin but with a fun new enemy in it. Like it, it seems like it's a beloved enough thing because yeah. there are a lot of people on the internet like when um, Ubisoft were polling for things to do after Far Cry Four, mm. and obviously that became Far Cry Primal. It seems like, but they, they were like. Um, questionnaires sent out and stuff uh, that leaked and one of the options was Blood Dragon 2 and I remember in comments and things the overwhelming response was oh we want Blood Dragon 2 yeah. and I was thinking god no let's do something new and fun but yeah which you know Far Cry Primal was like Owl the, for binoculars that, that, was, that was the right thing to do though because that's, that's a really fun game um, but yeah it's a, it's a real shame that that sort of uh, the Blood Dragon but, joke now is going to be dead basically yeah it, like, it feels like they should, they should probably just let Blood Dragon be its own thing they should probably just I don't know, make it a dumb third-person shooter cover shooter or something. Yeah. Make it a Saints Row-style open-world game. Because this is... Yeah. Just let it be its own thing. Stop making it be other games. Yeah, because the thing is, they've this is the, the next full Trials game, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. And, like, because Fusion came out a little while ago. Yeah, now, yeah, like, yeah. Like, what, two years ago, something yeah. like that? Yeah. So this is... The full trial, the new. This full is the trials new trials game. game, and it's the new Blood Dragon game, and it's simultaneously the worst trials game that's ever been made, and the worst Blood Dragon game that's ever been made. Wow, so a total failure. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's really weird because, like, um, it's funny because uh, the thing I've noticed in the last ten years working games media is that games have just become so refined that even the worst game from a publisher like EA or Ubisoft is generally not that bad. Mm. Um, you know, maybe like a couple of free-to-play things aside, but like generally, 
a game that's kind of got a serious sort of prestige like Trials has to have a sequel that is yeah like a, as bad as this. This is the really interesting thing. Like as much as people complain about like oh uh, you've, the seven to ten review scale is a thing and. I mean, there are reasons for that, and one of the reasons is just because there are so many games now. You can only, you only really pick, you know, the best ones. You have to curate which games to review, and mm. you might as well focus on the ones that people will buy. Yeah. But the other reason is because technically, people are really good at making games now. Mm. Like, it's especially the publishers and that they have a thing. Like, even a game where the systems just aren't that interesting or the story's bad or you know however a game can fail like the basic interactions within it usually feel fairly smooth and enjoyable and that kind of raises the the score that a game will get because at least technically it's not broken yeah which is what the bottom end of most scales are there it's like oh games can still be broken beyond belief so we've got to keep that reserved for when that happens <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, this this is a game that has like a, a central interaction that appears over and over again. Like the, it's not just oh you have one platforming level as like a break or it, it's I don't know if it's quite half of all levels have platforming in them, but you know there's a hell of a lot of it. Um, and it's yeah, it's just having that one central mechanic feel so bad. It just it brings the whole thing down to mm. just a real world level. There's there's stealth bits as well. Oh dear! There's stealth platform this, bits. There are stealth platforming bits in the Avoid game. a helicopter searchlight oh, as it scans terrible. across the level. That's bad. There's a jetpack bit. Sounds alright. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, it's fine, but it's a jetpack bit where if you touch any wall, you die because they've got lasers all over them. I see. Yeah. And that okay. makes it super frustrating. There's a bit where there's a bit where um, you're on the bike and you're pulling a trailer and in the trailer as just a, sta a freestanding physics object is a ball which is also a bomb which if it takes too many bumps or goes flying out will explode and you fail right that's kind of annoying and then halfway through the level you get off the bike it gets destroyed and you've got to carry the bomb with your jetpack and hmm. that's actually the worst thing <laughs> that's like at least the platforming sections are easy that bit is both bad and frustrating right which it, it, that's a real low point jeez well i, I well I, I can't believe how bad this is <laughs> no it's great okay so mm. so don't play this then uh so if you'd say someone you know play a trials game you'd say play evolution trials evolution for sure right. i mean probably get the xbox version if you've got a 360 that's got all the dlc because it's just a really nice package right but the gold edition i think is still fairly good on pc like mm. You can get it on Steam and you play, and it's good. Wow. So. Okay. Well, you can read Phil's review on uh, PCGamer.com. It'll be in the magazine too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, uh, that's a bit of a shame. Mm. But uh, on something that's slightly more promising is uh, Agents of Mayhem. Yeah. This is really interesting looking. Yeah. This is the new Saints Rowish game, right? Functionally, yeah. So it's set in the same universe. Mm. Um, it should be called Saints Row. I think. I think calling it Agents of Mayhem makes it sound like it's an all new thing. And yeah, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like uh, a, a reconfigured Saints Row that has some really cool uh, ideas in it, um, I think. Uh, I, I think it's getting a bit of a divided response. Yeah, it seems to have. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I know that um, uh, Jen on OPM here uh, hated it. <laughs> and, I, and I really liked it. Um, I thought it was... Uh, I think what they're doing uh, works. So you basically have... Uh, it's set in... Oh, why can't I remember the, where it's set? Uh, I can't remember. Um, seal set in seal. Okay. Um, yeah, and so you've uh, you you play as one of a, no, a three of a number of different characters. You mm. basically pick a loadout 
of different uh, characters, and you can't help but feel they're a little bit sort of character MOBA Overwatchy sort of like variety of characters. I think they're, they're, are they all defined people? Like because yeah. one of Saints Rose's things is you can customize quite dramatically, like the look and yes, feel uh, of your person. And they're well aware of that. I asked okay. them about that. Like you're losing that, so you know what you have to get back from these characters is they all have to feel different. Mm. They all have to sound different, and and they do. They they all have their own cutscenes that are uh, uh, sorry their own dialogue that's contextual. So no matter which part of the game you're playing as which character you'll hear that dialogue right um so they've gone out of their way to do that um it's a nice diverse cast there's a, a range of different abilities like um their guns feel different they have a kind of like special move um and they have different melee attacks as well and so it's uh, it really um they really do feel quite different they all mm. run at the same speed but um they've all got different uh they've got different kind of climbing abilities as well That's so cool. let's say you were to climb like a skyscraper you might actually need to switch between a few different characters right. in order to use their abilities to get to the top of it so oh, that's, that's something you have to consider too um it wasn't in the build but as i understand it i'm pretty sure they said this in the interview you can control any vehicle in the game still so that's still in there but they don't mm. have radio stations with licensed music anymore right okay so i'm a bit gutted yeah about that. that's but, always good but yeah well i don't know hadaway in uh saints row 4 that was kind of part of the uh well, no, the, the spot on wasn't it the last couple of saints row you've always had a bit where the characters would just sing along to a licensed song and it was kind of great and really charming yeah it, was good. it, it felt natural in a way that games writing rarely does yeah um yeah that, that's one of the things that really added to the charm of that yeah yeah for sure and so what they've got here is you, you uh, they haven't revealed the full list of characters yet but i picked these three characters it's like one one heavy one one I, I guess I mean like one who can do this uh, once like a Hollywood actor he's actually called Hollywood right and so he can um, his special move is he'll just trigger loads of explosions that happen randomly around you and that's quite good for clearing out like groups of enemies mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah and so um, I'm trying to think what the other ones were actually My it's, E3 feels like a long time ago <laughs> um yeah, there's uh, there's uh, I actually can't recall. Was right there now. a fast one? There might have been. Base. Uh, I'm, we'll have to come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, base. But they all they all have these different kind of special moves that build up on this bar, and then you can switch between them literally at any at any time. You just right. press one button, and then you'll you'll uh, you know you switch to another character. I don't know how often you can change your entire roster, um, but it's weird because it's a single player only game, right? But mm. you can't help but feel like it's missing a co-op element like where you both pick a kind of loadout of characters and go through these missions together yeah especially since uh, three and four saints row three and four were both co-op yeah it's weird that that's not in it yeah it's strange that that's not a thing um and uh, yeah that that feels kind of absent but as a saints row game i uh i think it's kind of gonna work uh, yeah there's like a boss battle at the end of the um the, th- the thing against this basically you're, you're trying to get this uh ai pop star to join your side against this evil corporation or whatever hey, why not eh? yeah it's saints right you know what it's like <laughs> um and so uh and yeah and yeah and she chooses to uh shack up with the bad guy in the end and so you have to take on uh the bad guy and her hmm. combined into this enemy and it's basically like a big health bar and so you use your special move to kind of whittle them down and so on and so forth um that's weird i don't remember saints were having boss battles really yeah not not really like it had a couple of I think Saints Row 4 had an end fight of some sort. Um, mm. My memory's never good, so... No, I'm clearly <laughs> trying mine Trying to remember either. specific things is hard. But what I, what, I, uh, what I really like about this is that the um, the abilities do feel quite different, mm. even if I can't recall all of them right now. <laughs> um, each character definitely feels sort of defined in a, in a different way. The guns all feel a bit different, and it's, uh, it, it's working. 
Oh, that, I can remember one now. Um, there's one character who's got um, a bow and arrow, and that that of course there is. That feels really, really good. And then I think that her special move is to just do like a, a barrage of different really powerful shots. Right. Um, and so yeah, yeah, but that that bow and arrow felt so different to um, Hollywood's own guns and mm. stuff. Like genuinely, yeah, genuinely some changes there. Um, so I really liked it. It's a quite an unusual feeling game. Like it's got a different color palette to. Um, uh, Saints Row. They said that we're basically trying to do all the colours. Right, as and, opposed um, to just purple with the Saints Row 4. <laughs> There's still quite a lot of purple in it, actually. Red and purple. <laughs> There's a lot of blue in it, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it kind of like a neon-looking uh, shiny city. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I like it, yeah. I thought I really cool. wasn't excited about it going into it. I thought, why haven't they just made Saints Row 5? And then functionally this does feel like Saints Row 5. That's pretty cool. Just a slightly different take on it. I do like the idea of having different traversal, like mechanics for each character that, that's something I really enjoy about Overwatch and other character things like that is, mm. is is having each character have I like a good traversal mechanic in a game yeah me that's, too uh, even prototype which is a, a bad game oh I can't be doing prototype but run, just running along buildings and gliding and stuff that felt good you know, I almost bought uh, the original prototype in a Steam sale recently, but I'm pretty sure the review said it just doesn't work on modern Windows platforms. Probably not. I'm sure and also, you don't like prototype. Like, this is the <laughs> thing you've told me before. We've, we've had this conversation, so it's not... It's true, but it's um, it's just that thing where if something's $1.99 on Steam, you have to buy it. You film. just think, oh, I could, get a, I could get a reinstall out of this one day. <laughs> We are thinking of um, doing like uh, our kind of most shameful uh, Steam purchases thing in uh, in the near future. So <laughs> look out for that, and I'm sure a few of mine will come out. But no, I didn't uh, didn't buy Prototype, but um, this uh, obviously has Volition making it, so there's a their kind of seal of quality on it. I had quite a long interview afterwards with the devs. I mm. asked about I asked about Red Faction's destruction system. Okay, why haven't you ever brought that into the game? And they say it's just they just can't find a way to make it work. But um, I don't know. I think like it, yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I think you could do it, and like you, when you you could just have a hot a mode that's called destruction mode, and it could be you know co-op, and you just go through the city, blow up the city. Then when you quit out of it, the city's just rebuilt again. You don't yeah. have to worry about the practicality of you yeah. know. Saints Row Four was a computer simulation <laughs> in which you had superpowers. Yeah, why? I mean, like. They could just say, oh, yeah, we just reset the simulation. Yeah. <laughs> and then there you go. You've got an in-fiction reason to be able to blow the shit out of everything. That's... It's disappointing, though, because it's that thing where, like, um, no one's made a game with that stuff in it. I don't mm. count Battlefield because it's not really procedural, is it? It's kind of these scripted. I suppose some of it yeah. is. But... Well, in multiplayer it is, yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. But it does have these, you know, the Levolution stuff is scripted. Yeah, that's certainly a low yeah. point in <laughs> Battlefield destruction. <laughs> um so yeah that's uh, but something that's pure is red faction where if you like hit something with a hammer it would just crumble slightly then eventually the building would come down um crackdown 3 is doing something like it and that's coming to pc but um yeah i kind of feel like i don't know this is the first uh is this the first things rogue game they've made that's not on like a last gen console as well i think it is oh yeah so i thought that's a chance to do it but um yeah they've sort of left that and without the kind of co-op element as well you might feel it's a little bit bereft on that front but honestly the character uh, the the actions feel so good. Like um, I really I really like the cast of characters. They seem like uh, typical sort of Saints Row style uh, supporting characters who just happen to be in your roster. Mm. They're quipping constantly, um, which might get on your nerves. But it's the funny, um, positive uh, volition writing which I like. Yeah, and yeah, I was mildly impressed. That's, That's good. Yeah, um, Phil, you got anything more to ask me about that, or should we move on to uh, your final game? 
Right, we can move on if you like. Yeah, um, I think I'm pretty much done with Agents of Mayhem uh, since I can't remember any of the special abilities <laughs> of the characters, which is good. Don't, uh, yeah, I'm never going to LA again because it just wipes my memory. Um, but you've been playing Batman Arkham Knight, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, because stay relevant. Um, yep, so we've been playing all the big games from June 2015, eight. then pulled from the Steam store, then re released in September. I'm running out of hard drive space. I need to, I need to finish <laughs> off some games before I delete them. I, uh,. I don't think Arkham Knight's port is acceptable, right? But I don't think it's quite as bad as people made out. Like right. it's, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's stuttering. Uh, it's yeah, not just too much. I mean, it's not as bad as Quantum Break when that launched, which was just terrible. For sure. Did they not fix Quantum Break acceptably? Well, I haven't found out yet because that's, the patch is twenty six gigabytes. Which <laughs> is <laughs> the problem. I, I never go back. Once I hear a game is like, oh, that's a bad port. It's like, oh, not, not going back. But Arkham Knight. The thing is, this is the only version where you can actually run it at like over thirty frames per second. And and when when you're doing that, the city looks incredible. <laughs> yes. Um, when it when doesn't you, stutter. When, when you get to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I. It's not that bad, but seemingly it's been bad enough that Warner's given up on PC. Yeah, uh, that's that's the disappointing thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, to have that admission that oh, we just we can't do it. We've got to stop. <laughs> but they have done it before. That's the thing. Like Shadow of Mordor was really good on PC. Yeah. And now it means yeah, there's a Batman Arkham VR game that's not coming to PC. Injustice Two. So buy Warner. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. It's going to be really annoying when Shadow of Mordor Two is announced. Yeah. Whenever that happens, and they're like, "Yeah, we just we don't want to do PC." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, "Oh, cheers, bro, thanks." So, uh, okay, so regardless of that, Arkham Knight, you've been playing through it to just try and get through. Yeah, it, just just to get through it, just to free up some some hard drive space, and and because it is punching things is still good in that game. Like that never stopped being good. Um, I do think Arkham Knight probably has slightly too many special enemy types. There's like. They, they come up with this really good smooth combat system and then they just throw in slightly too many enemies to reliably deal with. The enemies that charge at you, I don't like. I can't ever get my brain into yeah, the mindset like, of that. Having to tap that button to do that. Or the ones that are electrified and having to figure that. It's like, okay, well, that, I've got to press that button and also that button and that quick deploys this. Yeah. Playing on the control pad, obviously, so it's there's not like a dedicated key for shooting electric quickly at a man. <laughs> there's, um, there is like a, a hot kind of command you can do on there but like it's not easy to do yeah i think it's like one trigger and b it's or trigger something. yeah it's trigger and b but obviously trigger and any of the face buttons do a different thing yeah that yeah. you might need in certain situations oh i fire the grappling hook never mind whoops yeah. <laughs> i pulled this guy at me um but yeah um at the moment, I've got to a point in the story where I think I'm approaching the end, so I'm just going through and doing all the side cases, and I find those are of real variable quality. Like, I, I don't know if overall they're probably worse than Arkham City ones. I remember Arkham City, some of their, their sort of side stuff being really good, Right. whereas a lot of the Arkham Knight ones tend to be you are going to repetitively do an action until a villain turns up and you get rid of them. Yeah, so they vary in quality. Um, I really like the um, the penguin one, and that was admittedly because mm. it's a bit different in terms of like setting and circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you blew up a vault, which I liked, and I'll be honest, it had Nightwing in it. Are you, you, like, are you a Nightwing fan? Yeah, sadly Fair so. Um, I don't, do you I don't know, know who enough. Nightwing is? I know who Nightwing is. I know he was the original Robin, etc., etc. Yeah, I just don't know enough about Batman and the comics to know who I'm supposed to like. 
Yeah. Is, is Nightwing generally a yes. maligned figure within no, comic No, uh, Nightwing is is very well liked. Okay. Um, unlike uh, a certain character who we're going to talk about in a, in a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, it felt like the most complete representation of his universe, but I agree that some of those side quests are just repackaged versions of things you already do in the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, certainly there's a lot of militia things, a lot of clearing out all the militia stuff. Oh, that yeah, that's bad. <laughs> it's just... And, and, like, the individual set pieces within that could be quite good the one where it's called own the roads i think where you've got to take out these little camps they've set out and some of those little puzzles oh, yeah, so yeah, they are, they are good, because what, they're just standalone fight sequences or predator sequences that you get to do and that's fine there's another one where you can i think you can figure out the exact angle to jump the batmobile inside like one of those compounds yeah. as well, and that's really cool yeah there's one that i had real trouble with until i went around the side entrance and saw a winch and i was like i can batmobile it and i just shot everyone and it was great <laughs> Yeah, um, and then, yeah, I think there was another one with like um, a little drone thing, and you were above them, and you couldn't get in without shooting them. But you could stand in an exact part, spot to download the drone codes and just incapacitate everyone. And it was just like a five-second thing. It was like, okay, that's a cool Batman interaction. Yeah, yeah. It's just a cool set piece where Batman has the exact response to take these guys out. Do you know what? Like the Batmobile is quite maligned in that game, but I think in terms of like when you're just going around the open world, not yeah. fighting robot tanks. I think it really completes the experience of being Batman in that world. Yeah, driving around, getting from place to place, stuff like that, that's all fine. It, like, there is too much avoiding the, the, the red lines that show where you're going to get shot. Yeah, There's for sure. so much of that. Yeah, I, I, to the point where I don't know why someone didn't tell them why they were making it. This clearly does not yeah, work. It work. It? And then they went, but what if we did that, but it's a stealth sequence? <laughs> and you were like, what? No, what are you doing? Yeah, stealth tanks, that's the thing they did. Oh, they did that, and it was bad. Yeah, it was a shame because it was the. I'd say if they got rid of those sections, I'd probably give the game like a close to a ninety percent. But yeah, I mean, not not based on the port, obviously. But um, yeah, really good stuff there. Yeah, uh, I I really like the sort of main, the kind of running thread of Joker being in your brain as That's well. Cool. There, yeah. There's so many. Not only did they do really cool like stuff with the story of that and like the interaction between Batman and Joker which has always been fairly fascinating anyway but they also do weird stuff with just the camera and the game logic and how things work um, very much in the way that uh, Arkham Asylum did with the Scarecrow sections like yeah. the lead up to the, the actual Scarecrow sections themselves were annoying platform bits where you went around a tower Yeah, but the bits that led up to that where they did kind of subversive stuff that yeah was all cool the bits where you're in the um the prison chamber because you think you've been infected with the toxin yeah and like yeah you move the camera around and it's like whoa there he is and then he starts talking and it's like that it's it's so good because it's exactly the sort of thing you could never do in a batman comic or a film and have it work yeah um, so like they're making the most of you know what a game is there it's very 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 cool yeah, good use of the medium. Um, Did you um, do the? Have you done solve the side quests with the bodies yet? No, I haven't yet. Because that's a good side quest, right? Yeah, like I'm enjoying that one. Uh, it's just it's unsettling, isn't it? Because you it, hear the music and it's like, oh crap, another one. You know? Yeah. Although I'm not quite attentive enough to <laughs> just find them out in the world. Right. I usually have to wait until Alfred goes. Also, they're just playing music incessantly in this place, and I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go do that again. Yeah, um, um, but that's got a really cool end point to it yeah. I, I, that's one of, one of my favourite bits of the game for sure. I think that's one of my last remaining sort of interesting looking side quests to yeah. do so yeah, I think that, that. yeah like an example of a terrible side quest in that game is the Firefly one when you have to chase oh my god yeah and it's just like 
why don't you apprehend that he's going through the three fire stations that are in the city? <laughs> Once you do one of them, just go to another fire station and yeah. wait for him. What are you doing, Batman? <laughs> yeah, it's re- those are really bad. And like, because like trying to time it to grab onto the guy, just the worst thing. Like, also, terrible. the Riddler. Yeah, like way too many of them. And the, race the tracks races. aren't a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're really bad. Like, that's not um, a puzzle. That's a racetrack. <laughs> the central theme is you make riddles. <laughs> that's not what that is. <laughs> I think Andy Kelly's always making fun of this just for being completely dumb, but he's not wrong. Mm. Um, you, it, the Riddler has invested presumably tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, so much money. This, right? I mean, I've seen that. Like the the story sort of heavily suggests that Lex Luthor is bankrolling everything that's happening in Gotham. Did he bill him for racetracks though? I didn't get any of that, but fair enough. <laughs> yeah, have you have you? Listen to the phone messages at the um, at your uh, the Wayne Tower. I have not. Yeah, Lex Luthor leaves you one. Ah, oh, he's trying to make a corporate takeover, and then it's um, suggested that I think it might be actually um, incidental guard dialogue that says all this has been banked by a huh. Metropolis something or other. I may be misremembering that, but yeah, the world is actually that would explain how the Riddler is able to build goddamn racetracks <laughs> under the city. There's actually a fair few references to the wider DC universe in that in that thing. I think they make a reference to the Flash. Right. Um, the saying that there's a guy in Central City who can run really fast. Like, wonder who that is. Um, and even, like, uh, you see these signs for cord electronics around, and that's a reference to the Blue Beetle. It's like a B-list, C-list uh, DC yeah, character. I, gonna, I don't know who he is, so which I'm not ta- going to... Yeah, which takes us, interestingly, on to the Arkham Knight reveal itself. Now, yeah. It, this is a bit... We're going to spoil a little yeah, bit Yeah, we spoil a warning here? Yes. Yeah. Phil's reached the end of the game, and I, I finished this a year ago, but no one else on the team's really played it, so um, we've never talked about this, but... I think it's a very disappointing reveal, and it's one of the weaknesses of the game, personally. Right. Okay. How? First of all, the red, the red hood is the real Arkham Knight. No, wait, I've got that wrong. Well, um, <laughs> Jason Todd, yes, uh, the second dead Robin, um, as it's established in this game, when they show you a flashback to when the Joker beat him to death, mm-hmm. uh, is the Arkham Knight. Um, yeah, which yeah. I, a lot of people predicted before the game came out. Yeah, uh, you and Chris did a. Series of here's who the Arkham Knight could be based yeah. on the first trailer, and one of Chris's things was, Yeah, it's probably Jason. And Todd. I think I said, No way. Well, yeah, no, I think <laughs> Chris started it with, Okay, if we're going really blue sky here, really yeah. thinking out the side of the box, what if? And yeah, he was bomb. Yeah, that's true. And uh, it's quite an interesting piece to read, actually, because there's a couple of characters in that who actually do who appear do in the appear, game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's Jason Todd. Now, as someone who doesn't really care about you know the wider Batman sort of you don't read the comics mm. or anything like that, how what did you think of that reveal? I to be honest, I was okay with it okay. because I accepted that whoever it was, it was probably going to be some. It probably wasn't going to be someone I knew anyway. Yeah, and like they do a reasonably good job of setting up. I mean, Joker does spend like an entire level tormenting Batman about Jason Todd's death. Right. Like the whole um, bit in the movie theater when you're recapturing the other people who've been infected by um, his blood. Yeah. Like he continually gives you flashbacks to interactions he's had with Jason Todd and breaking him down and killing him. So it's like, all right. I mean, at that point, it was like, that's probably him, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) But. They telegraph. I think they just gave it away too much, um, personally. And um, but you're right, they're, they're in a different, difficult position there because they have to both set up who he is yeah. so the real feel makes sense to people who don't know Batman as as well as someone who reads the comics. Yeah. 
but also not give away that it's him to people who have. Yeah, because there's, there's actually, like, in Arkham Asylum and Night, uh, sorry, and City, mm. there's no suggestion that there's more than one Robin. It's just Tim Drake, um, who's the Robin in Arkham Knight as well. And, like, because um, Nightwing's not part of the story in the no. second one. They kept it quite simple. Um, so, yeah, to then establish that there was another Robin, but there's also Nightwing, and there's a Robin who's still alive. Mm. I think it's a little bit messy, and, like, yeah, if they'd have if they'd have done a flashback in City to the Joker being a Robin to death, then the there would have been five years of build up. Yeah, they sort of certainly could have seeded it in a lot better, yeah. yeah. Especially if they knew which stories they were gonna play it on. Like Yeah. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were just <laughs> like, Oh, let's 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 steal these bits from the comics and yeah. why if we did this? <laughs> That's the thing. It's actually like oddly predictable if you read the comics yeah. because there is there was a very good story arc in two thousand five called Under the Red Hood where uh Batman fought this character called uh, the Red Hood, um, which was the Joker's original alias. Right. Um, back when he was created in the 30s, and um, yeah, and, and basically it turns out that it, this is Jason Todd, and it's a big reveal, and he's a villain now. Um, and then Batman's like forced to kind of, I think, cut his throat and uh, and nearly kill, bring him to the point of death at the end of the story. And it's really good. And the reveal of Jason Todd was a big surprise because he'd been dead for about 20 years. Um, and so yeah, so you've got a lot of history there. Like he'd been killed in the comics before, so you knew all of that. Was was the Red Hood not mentioned in Arkham City, or was that is that a comment I'm misremembering somebody making? Don't think he is. Okay. No, I don't think so. But um, yeah, yeah. Because whereas there are other things in Arkham Knight, like when they the reappearance of Azrael and Hush, yeah. the Hush side quest, which is not really a side quest, but a really excellent bit of narrative. Mm. Um, those things were seeded in Arkham City and I think have a lot of impact as a result. Yeah, I think some people were even slightly disappointed at how little Hush was involved based on how bigger... They made a big deal about him, didn't they? Yeah. But I thought it was a really neat little... like. I mean, it was, it was a, what a certainly nice him. encounter, yeah. Yeah, because you don't see it coming because you're playing mm. as who you think is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And then, yeah. So uh, Rocksteady are really kind of clever storytellers when they want to be and then they also uh, lean quite heavily on... Uh, using the same ideas again and again when it comes to the game, so it's a it's a weird mishmash that results in like some good quests, some bad quests. But main story, yeah, that was my mm. disappointment with it. But it's not without merit. Yeah. Um, and my favourite sequence of the game is in this main story where you and Robin are going around that fairground place, um, and you're just bossing it together. There's that bit where they both kick down the doors together, then beat the shit out of like twenty guys. And yeah, like, yeah. And it's like I've finally seen Batman and Robin work on screen in a way that isn't like embarrassing. They just <laughs> and the the, the, yeah. the co-op stealth as well, where you like you drop down, take him out. There should yeah, be that more was pretty of that. cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hey ho. So Arkham, Arkham uh, Nightfield, you uh, you feel glad that you got through it in the end? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like um, it, it was better than the reasons that I started playing it <laughs> or finished playing it um, would suggest. Yeah, like. Okay. As a thing that I did literally just to get a few more gigabytes onto a hard drive, <laughs> I am glad that I persisted with it. Well, that's a good uh, good reason to me. <laughs> if you ever need a recommendation, that's one. That's cool. So, final game we're going to talk about today is Abzu. Abzu. Abzu, which is made by a developer whose name I cannot recall, but um, is led by the art director of Journey um, mm. and uh, has music composed uh, by a guy whose name I've forgotten. Damn it! I, my phone's out of charge, so I can't check this stuff. <laughs> the, um, the guy who's is it the composer of Journey? Or? It's uh, Austin Wintry. Austin Wintry. Yeah. Austin Wintry. Yeah. Um, so the um, 
it actually feels quite a lot like that. If you don't know what Journey is, that was a uh, that was a PS3, uh, I guess like one of these kind of walking simulator simulator kind of games where you play this kind of mysterious self hooded character and you walk forward and then random players who are also playing would spawn into your game. The idea is that you, you kind of wander through this environment together. And try and uh, compete to get the biggest scarf. Yeah, you could <laughs> by activating parts of the environment, you could uh, grow your scarf. And uh, uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. It's from um, a co- uh, that game that company. game company. Um, they've just made PS3 games, I think, apart from Flow, which apart might from be on Flow, PC, which came to PC. Yeah, and then Sony very wisely uh, snapped them up, gave um, them some monies. And so Journey, I think the idea was because you're sharing this 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 actual journey from to this end point up this mountain with someone, you feel like you've shared an experience, and that's quite touching. Yeah, it's one of the few games where there are other people involved, uh, but there is almost no way to be a dickhead to someone. Yeah, yeah, unless you just try and walk the other way. Because there's e- only one way to walk. Even that's just like, okay, that's that's that guy's story. He yeah. just went that way. And you can just stop and like and enjoy the environment for a while and yeah. carry on and I uh, I didn't I had a thing when I originally played it where no other players spawned into my game. Oh no. Um until the very end and I was like I've just done this by myself, but even that was kind of evocative because I'd just taken a lonely journey across a desert with a big scarf. <laughs> So Abzu is... Well, which um, is developed by Giant Squid. Giant Squid, there you go. And the um, the director is the main guy? What's his name again? Oh, super... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't remember his name. I met him Man, last week. Look, look forward to, for me to jump in with that information in a couple of minutes. I think he might be called Matt. But he's um, he was... Uh, yeah, he was... Uh, it, it was a really interesting game. Matt Narva. A, Matt Narva. There you go. See, I remembered the Matt part. Um, but yes, it's set underwater... You play this kind of diver. You, mm. It's not quite clear what you are. You're kind of like this um, human sort of creature, but it looks like yeah. And you've got sort of breathing apparatus, and yeah, it's none of it's set above water. It's just below. And the idea is, it kind of, I guess, it's got kind of like a magical realism thing where it blends real sea life with this quite artistic and sort of weird underwater. It feels like it feels very otherworldly down mm. there. There's like an ecosystem where you'll see bigger fish eating smaller fish. You can grab onto larger fish and kind of um, follow them around. And you can do like this uh, meditate mode where it, um, it will show you, it'll cut to like a, a fish swimming around. It'll tell you what species it is and species, uh, what, what classification yeah. of fish it is. Um, and then, yeah, it's. Uh, it, and then there's this kind of like element to it where I think there's some weird sci-fi stuff going on as well, right? Because um, okay. these sort of underwater tunnels and and things like that, and you're you're kind of activating this sort of machinery. But it's, it's so it's Echo the Dolphin. It did remind me of that a little bit, but it's um, it it's such a gorgeous looking game. The color palette is just spot on. It's like I don't. It's almost like the Little Mermaid sort of like vision of underwater. If it was a bit less Disneyfied <laughs> and a bit more like less a, Jamaican crabs. <laughs> Yeah, and less uh, yeah, less dancing uh, shellfish. Mm. Um, but it's uh, it's it's a really um, the the music really makes it as well. Like uh, if you've played Journey, you'd know what a key part of the music plays in that. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it conveys so much of the sense of like uh, otherworldliness and weirdness of being down there. Like it's a very strange game, and it has these um, these kind of uh, dream ish sequences as well, where right. you'll you'll see these kind of like pillars on the kind of like bottom of the ocean floor and you'll look down and there'd be this um this big uh kind of like what looks like a sun um consuming uh sort of like water and sea life into it and it's weirdly reminded me a bit of the um 
the blue realm bits in Prince of Persia 2008, which may be too specific deep a reference. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, deep cut. Um, when you activate those weird doors and you go through them, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically like wandering into a dream. And this sort of like, I guess it kind of blurs the two. So it's a really, um, I get the sense it's going to be about four or five hours long. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's everyone's going to want to play it. Like it's just so. Is it going to be the game to have a hot take about? It might be. It might be like kind of in that kind of Firewatch realm of you should play this and experience it for yourself. Because get on board that conversation. <laughs> it, the uh, the diving controls are slightly fiddly. It took me a while to get used to. No, is, is, is this not like a bit like Journey, but underwater, uh, thus worse because all games are bad underwater. <laughs> it's it has definitely has um, a bit more interaction than Journey. Uh, not loads more, but mm. you can. You can activate objects. You've got these little kind of drone things that swim around you. It's the year of drones. So, of course, you know, even in this game, you've got them. Topical. And then, like, um, one creature came out and destroyed one of mine, and I couldn't get through a certain part of the, the world unless I found one and activated one to okay. help me tell me get through it. So there's a slightly gamier elements in there. But I don't know. Like, it's... Uh, it's it's You should set a game underwater. It's just, it's just a good thing to do. Like... Yeah, I mean, underwater is a very evocative place. Under un, the <laughs> the ocean, yeah, the underwater, the ocean, yeah, is yeah a very evocative and strange place, and it is like this weird alien environment where like, have you seen the things that just live in the ocean? Yeah, especially weird, especially in the southern hemisphere. Like, yeah, get to Australia kind of area. Like the, once you go under so many fathoms, shit just gets weird down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so I think this is really going to tap into that. Like, um, you can sort of swim to the the surface and just kind of look around, but then when, the deeper you go, the weirder it gets. Mm. And it ended with this kind of like um, this sort of stone door, just sort of like opening underwater, and then me swimming through it, and it looked like I was going into a structure. So, like uh, flower, uh, flower, uh, where it had like. Um, you could kind of uh, you were basically playing as uh, the wind and you're yeah. making petals move and eventually it leads to you bringing down a kind of like uh, like a grey city um, restoring nature to the environment to this, corrupt humanity yeah um, this actually has an element of that as well right. like after I went into that dream realm the, the whole kind of environment sort of like burst with life um and there are sort of like little pockets you activate where fish come out and it's uh it's really like <laughs> sounds nice it's really pleasant um and it'll i, I think it i just can't wait to play through the it would be like a saturday wake up at 10 a.m and i'm just gonna play through this in one go kind mm. of game um looks gorgeous and i, I really can't wait to play it some more yes. yeah sounds good yeah is it doing any vr things because there's a there's a big vr underwater push these days don't think so no okay. i don't think it would suit it it's a third person game so right. um yeah i don't i don't think it would suit it but uh yeah i think if you if you have played journey i mean it's very likely if you're listening to this podcast you haven't mm-hmm. um even if you haven't like you'll get to uh, sample a little of the same sort of like uh thinking that went into the design behind that game um it's uh it's it's really something i think it's out on august 2nd as well so don't have to look too long to wait. No, and uh, Tim played it as well. Tim Clark uh, from PC Game US, and he loved it as well. Yeah, so, ev- uh, everybody who seems to have played it seems to really, really be into it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it, Journey was like one of the most acclaimed games of 2012, yeah. and um, rightfully so. And I think yeah, this has a shot of being that too. And it's really nice to see some of those same ideas filter into this into a, an environment that we haven't really seen explored in games that yeah, much yeah. before, and on a platform where those games weren't available. Yeah, which is annoying, isn't it? It is a bit. Yeah, I don't know why that's why they still got exclusivity on that. I guess they must have fully funded it. I guess so. Like, yeah, they didn't weren't they on like a contract for X number of games, that including must be, yeah. Flower and Journey? Because obviously, everybody. 
everybody's gone to the Rapture, Stalin PS4, but that came to PC. That right? came to PC. It just seems to vary. Behind closed doors contracts are complicated sometimes. Indeed, and I've got no idea what that game company itself is working on. Um, but that's mm. been uh, it's now been like over four years since they released anything. So uh, yeah. But uh, anyhow, yes, Abzu. That's out on the 2nd of August. Uh, We'll be back after the break with uh, three reader questions. It's going to be pretty exciting. some reader questions for you uh, and I haven't written down the names of uh, oh no I have no you have there we go good uh, usually I don't write down the names of the people who ask these questions and I feel bad about it but then I figure well the people on Twitter will probably never listen but um, yeah we've actually had, got one question from Twitter here and two that have been emailed in so thank you very much for that if you want to send us some questions it's uh, pcgamer at futurenet.com correct that's right isn't it Phil yes do mark the subject podcast indeed or something related to a podcast <laughs> Um, with all X-Bone games coming to Windows 10, great for PC gamers, brackets, should have said brackets first really, is the Xbox Doomed. That's from Drogoth, uh, which I assume is uh, his Christian name. I don't know, his <laughs> surname is, I don't know, Sergeant, Drogoth Sergeant. Um, but yes, uh, Phil, what do you think? As a man who bought an Xbox One mm. some months ago, yeah. just to play Forza Horizon Purely 2. Purely to play Forza Horizon 2. And then, just because I got a bit of freelance money, I was like, oh, I can, <laughs> I can make a reckless purchase now. And so, um, and like, uh, we were all kind of doubting that Microsoft were actually going to get fully back into PC yeah, gaming. They they've been be... saying it for so, like, they've been saying that for two years. Oh, we're on board, we're in. Like, yeah. I talked to Phil Spencer and he was like, yeah, we're in. And I was like, okay, so are you unifying the two? Like, are we going to see more? And he, was, he wouldn't commit to that. He, he got very wishy washy about the term unification. Yeah, he um, seemed to have a very uh, foggy idea of what was and wasn't a PC or Xbox game, which made no sense to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise at E3 when it was suddenly all the games are coming to Windows 10. Which is amazing. Like, mm. that's Dead Rising 4, Forza Horizon 3, yep. and Halo Wars 2, yep. uh, as well as the original Halo Wars, which they're porting to PC as well. And uh, that's not very good. Um, <laughs> there's uh, Gears of War 4 and uh, that other one, ReCore, which, uh, doesn't, oh, yeah, which, which I thought looked really yeah. naff, personally. And um, yeah. Scalebound. Scalebound? Yes. Scalebound, yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course, Crackdown 3, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. So it's it, they really have done a good job, and they basically told uh, Wes and Tim, who did our interview with Phil Spencer at E3, that Halo 6 will come to PC, in, more or less. Even you know. if previous Halos probably won't. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame. So there's a reason for your Xbox One, Phil. Yeah, exactly. So, I've got the Master Chief collection. <laughs> I, can, I can cling to that as... A small hope. <laughs> so I personally don't think it's a bad thing at all. Like um, I was never going to buy an Xbox One. I have a I have a PS4 because I wanted to play Destiny um, and uh, Uncharted 4. And I I was never going to buy an Xbox One anyway. But I did want to play those exclusive games. You know, yeah, that includes Quantum Break and all of the ones we just talked about. So and the people who buy a there's such a big price difference between owning a high end PC and owning a console that I don't think they're the same audience personally. But what no, do you no, think? necessarily. Like I think. I think it's nice to have uh, these different platforms for the different situations for, you know, whether it is you just want to spend £300 or so and just have a box that does a thing. Although that's less 
that's less obvious as an advantage nowadays. Now they're releasing Scorpio and all these different like yeah. versions that will do different things and support different amounts of graphics. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's a bit fuzzy these days, but I. Yeah, that's true. So, what, so what do you think then, Phil? You think it's uh, it's not going to have it's not really, uh, you know, going to be the end of the I, Xbox? No, I don't. Th- well, I don't think it'll be the. I don't think it will be the sole end of the Xbox. I don't think Microsoft would have done it if they thought this was actually going to seriously impact the business. Yeah, uh, I think the PS4 being so dominant is going to impact the business more than them releasing games for the PC as well. Yeah, like this is just a good way for them to bolster uh, an area an area of their business that isn't under direct competition by pushing people to Windows 10. Mm. And and all these games will need Windows 10 to function. It's not like you'll, you'll be able to play you'll be able to cling to Windows 7 and, and get the Forza Horizon 3 experience. It's true. They did suggest that some of their games will come to Steam again. Though, right? Yeah, I wouldn't expect that to be like the core. No, no, no. That's not gonna, Forza Horizon 3 won't be coming to Steam. Or uh, it won't not be a universal Windows platform game. Yeah, it's like, true. Almost certainly. Do you think if it comes to Steam, they'll just sell it through Steam, then you'll have to activate it through the uh, Windows Store? Much it's possibly you like yeah. you do with the UPlay. I, I don't know what Steam's rules are regarding mm. non-Win32 ex- executables. Yeah, like they, they, they're probably good reasons for Valve to not allow UWP and stuff on their store. Yeah, because it gets complicated at that point. But um, but I could see them theoretically bringing like Quantum Break to Steam in like a year, maybe. Yeah, Quantum Break seems like a good candidate. Um, yeah, because like it's just money left on the table. Because some people will never ever uh, use that store. So, uh, and you know, I, I'm certainly. Very, I think. Yeah, I think it's more likely that they'd probably try and get a version of the Windows Store that just sold their core games. Maybe they repurpose like the Xbox app, so it also becomes a marketplace. Yeah, it's that would be a good idea. Because that it, would be a good idea. But I think I, I think it was pointed out on the podcast last week. That's also kind of what games for windows live was yeah they have stealth resurrected games for windows live that's true but then like um, but if it's if it works and isn't awful and if they can get better at releasing games and having them work yeah that will be okay the lesson i think they've learned from games for windows live is that they they can't take other people's games and only sell them through that platform yeah like for Tomb sure. Raider, for example that was clearly their call to let Tomb Raider be on pc that early like mm. um you know, because it released on uh, Windows 10.2, but it was on Steam, and like um, it's the majority of sales were through Steam. Like, I think they knew the if, vast majority. Yes, so I think that that era of it is over. It's basically like if you want to play this specific set of games, then you need Windows 10, and I don't think that's too big an ask personally oh uh, yeah it, like, it's not ideal but it's fine it's not great but at the same time it's going to be a very small cross-section of games in the grand scheme of pc gaming yeah. that are all right you might not get to play recall but you'll live yeah. <laughs> that's true and really that's, that's a sacrifice you might have to make <laughs> realistically out of those games i'm probably going to play halo wars 2 Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play Gears 4. I thought that looked quite dull. dull it did look a bit meh. Yeah. It's sort of like, what is it Chris said last week? It's the, um, oh, he, he had such a perfect analogy for it. It's a Halo 4 of the Gears of War series. <laughs> yeah. That was it, yeah. Which is which is very sharp. Uh, I Yeah, that's I'll probably want to try Forza Horizon, but I won't want to pay £50 for it. That's the other Fair thing. Enough. Like, I do quite like the idea as, as, as an Xbox One owner. <laughs> Uh, I do quite like this cross-play, are they calling it? 
yeah. cross something where you just buy one copy and you have it on both platforms and it there's cloud sync and everything like that, mm. which means that sometimes I can play Forza at work, but also sometimes I can play it horizontal on my couch yeah. on a console. Well, that's good, yeah. That's, it's nice to have the options. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so it, well, I don't think it'll be the end of Xbox. It's, nah. just, a, it's just a potential bonus for us uh, with some, uh, some caveats as well. Okay, so next question. Uh, hey, PCG. One thing I find a bit interesting in some game studios, uh, they may have a person who is the top of the field at one specific thing. So say a game studio may have a guy who only works on water or fire or trees because they're the absolute best at it. In uh, all your time as a games journalist, have you ever met someone who is the best at a specific thing in games? Obviously you have people who are at the top of, say, AI design, etc. But I guess I mean stuff that may seem a bit more insignificant or underappreciated in game design. Thanks for reading and keep up the good work. That's from Thomas. Um, that you included this question makes me hope that you do have an example of this because do you, I don't think I do. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't read the question before I put it on this sheet, but I do. I have a couple of answers to this. Oh, good. Um, I met. This is a very weird example, but you may have heard of a game. May have heard of a game called Hydrophobia Prophecy on um, PC, which is one of the first games that had like realistic 3D water physics in it, okay. and like, things would actually flow on it and and move around and stuff, and it was. The game itself was a pretty bad um, third-person action game, but like it was, the water dip was incredibly impressive. Did you meet the water guy? I did. Nice. It was, I think he was actually like um, a qualified uh, physicist, um, and he was incredibly smart. Like to the point where I felt like such a dummy being in the same room. <laughs> But it was cool to me, and I kind of thought, uh, what I always felt about that game was, can you not just sell the water physics to someone else? Because, yeah. like, what well, if you made a Bioshock game that had this stuff in it? Or, I don't know, Little just, Sister Washes Away or something. Be the speed tree for water. <laughs> so he was really, um, he was, yeah, he was, that was an example of that. Like, um, I've also uh, met, this is a non-PC example, sadly, but I'm only bringing this up because the thing I remember about it is so ridiculous. But I met the creator of... Um, uh, Guerrilla Games, who are a PlayStation developer, mm. their visual tech, which is quite impressive. They make very pretty games. And I'd been up since 4 a.m. Um, I'd had four hours sleep. And while he was talking about building the engine, I was actually stabbing my arm to keep myself awake. <laughs> Which I felt so bad about because he was, um, but like uh, I think like even um, the studio head who was showing us around said he's really into his work. <laughs> <laughs> like he knew that he was being super there's, technical. Yeah, there's nothing like some in-depth engine t chat to really <laughs> to really keep you going. But like those are those are quite techy examples. I've met plenty of brilliant game designers. No, yeah, um, I've met uh, I don't know trying to think of examples. Uh, like I've met Hideo Kojima, you know, but I, uh, you know, but I don't think he, he quite counts as a specific thing. Um, I've met uh, Jordan Thomas, who built the Shellbridge uh, Cradle in um, Thief mm. Deadly Shadows, and also a specialist for a while there. <laughs> yeah, just uh, deployed in to make games scary. <laughs> he was the um, director of Barshot Two as well. Uh, Phil, what about you? You must have met some like uh, had some devs where you're like, that's uh, that's a cool thing that they did. Maybe you didn't, and now I feel really bad. Well, yeah, I met like, the Hotline Miami guys. They were really they were quite interesting. Yeah, I tend to interview like press drunkets tend to be with very like broader. It's the producer or the like the lead game designer, someone who's got a broad picture of everything. Every now and again, I'll be like, oh, can I talk to an art director? Or yeah, so. I did chat to Civ Six's art director, which was quite an interesting look at to what they're doing with that art style mm. and why the controversy happened and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, 
but other than that, I can't think of anybody offhand. I've interviewed uh, the um, uh, lead writer of uh, Bethesda's games before, whose Ooh. name I can't actually remember, sadly. But he was the um, yeah. It, it, just hearing his kind of insights as to how they build stories and stuff like that was was really interesting. In fact, those interviews tend to be the best ones, getting people who actually build a specific thing and own it. Feels, yeah. feels right. The the producers tend to be quite fucking wishy washy, you know. Not always, but sometimes. There's a lot of media training going on, and yeah, they, they, their job is to be able to answer general questions and i think that works for some outlets it is nice like i think from our perspective to get something very specific and get somebody who is a specialist at something on something uh it's it's good that you met the lead water designer of that water game because <laughs> given that it was ba- it was well regarded for its water it would be really bad if you met the guy who did all like the wall textures <laughs> <laughs> i think i probably met him too i did a whole studio thing um but yeah like uh it, it, that that was uh yeah that i remember that just standing out as like wow how did you make this and then thinking it's just going to be never used in another game and that's such a waste largely how i feel about the destruction tech in red faction actually mm. um but i i don't know i like being any developer who's been at a studio for a while and has some kind of uh, experience to share it's definitely one of the best parts of our job um yeah but some most producers are fine but yeah media training like you say i met um the creative director of forza horizon 3 last week oh yeah he is one of those passionate men yeah, i've ever met forza guys super love cars he's awesome holy shit yeah uh, around the I, I interviewed him around Forza Apex's release. Yeah. Or, well, when they were announcing Forza Apex. Uh, and yeah, that whole team really like cars. Yeah. Holy shit. The Respawn guys as well are super passionate. What was great about the EA event at E3 this year was uh, I swear that every, I must be every single developer from Respawn was at that show. Like I saw um, uh, the, uh, I think it was Mo Alavi, who we interviewed in the um, in one of our recent features for call of duty mm. he designed the uh all gillied up mission and the uh, no russian mission and he was just there in the room watching me play titanfall 2 and i almost said hey we published a feature with you <laughs> i thought it would have been embarrassing um so yeah yeah you know there's some there's some uh, real characters out there i hope that answers your question anyway but uh yeah in, in conclusion water physics man <laughs> um Okay, cool. Hello, I've been enjoying... <laughs> that was from Thomas, by the way, <laughs> last question. <laughs> I don't know why I said hello then. Um, hello, I've been enjoying your podcast and have a question that I would like to hear pondered and possibly answered, albeit one that you might not like the constraints of. If you <laughs> if you could only have one game that you had to play again and again and again, what would it be? At present, I would choose Carmageddon, the old Windows 95 version, because I've not purchased max damage yet. For me, Carmageddon is the best driving game ever, possibly the best game ever fingers crossed max damage is just as good thanks from martin thanks martin i love that carmageddon's your favorite game ever <laughs> <That's> <laughs> such a specific it's fine you know i just it's just um yeah i don't know i just never heard anyone talk about it's that game with any... yeah i don't know if, I, I can't think of anybody who for whom that would be <laughs> like we're in, we're in the process of, of deciding our top 100 for the next issue of the magazine yeah. and nobody has like spoiler no one's got carmageddon at the top of that list <laughs> yeah or, or on their list at all i think <laughs> Um, but I, I really like that. That's no. Uh, that's no uh, diss, though, Martin. I think that's um, that's awesome that you you know you you know what you like, which is great. But like um, Phil, can we explain why we were laughing through all that? Yeah, is it just because it's very late on Friday? We, we, we are recording this later than normal, and I said hello instead of hello, <laughs> and that ended up being quite funny to Phil. And then I started laughing, and that's why I was laughing. Um, so Phil, I'm going to give you three games here. Um, because in fact maybe I'll give you five. Oh my god yeah because um, one I think uh, I'd like to get a broader uh, thing about your whole situation (laughs) and what 
what you were, uh, you know, in that circumstance, you would take to a, I guess it's a basically a desert island disc question, isn't it? It is. So what would be your sort of, uh, your five games? That's normally what they ask for, isn't it? Five records, is it? Or six records? Five's five. I don't listen to Radio 4. <laughs> <laughs> well, I listen to the podcast, you know, it's, uh, it's, Fair enough. it's a good show. But um, yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah. Oh, like, it's a difficult one because you're looking at longevity and I think that, kind of makes me lean towards certain things. Euro Truck Simulator? That's a really good one, I think. Just because maybe it's quite stressful to be on a desert island. <laughs> it depends what island it is, I guess. Like, uh, would you have to fend off seagulls and, like, you yeah. know? Well, you'd have to hope not, because you need time to play. You can't play Carmageddon when there's a seagull attack. That's just... <laughs> Euro Truck is a good shout, actually. Um, because it is just weirdly relaxing in its repetitiveness. Like, a lot of games, it can be quite annoying as you repeat the same actions again and again. That's kind of the point in Euro Truck. Yeah. Like, you want to take that lorry full of gypsum and you want to get it to <laughs> Manchester. <laughs> what a thing to say. Uh, okay, that's a good one then. What what else would uh, make the list? Uh, I'd probably pick a MMO of some description. <sighs> like, the obvious standout choice for me it would be Guild Wars 2 because I like it and I've played a lot of it. Yeah. But I also wonder, maybe now's the time to go mad. Maybe now's the time to learn Eve. <laughs> maybe, yeah. That's a, that, that is a game that would just generate stories forever that's once true. I got past the fact that it looks really uninteresting to me. <laughs> you could still interact with your girlfriend if you took um, Guild Wars That's though. true, yeah. <laughs> when, are you, when are you coming home for? I come on a desert island. I don't know where. I can't. I'm not responsible for the parameters. <laughs> Uh, I'm stuck here and it seems cruel and unusual, but I do have an internet connection, so hey, do you want to go and take down to Quattle, the undead dragon? Because it's nearly 8pm, or whenever he appears these days. Yeah, I guess, I mean, there could be some complications with time differences, but I guess you could sleep during the day, couldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I think I could keep my own hours. <laughs> okay, well, I'd like to think... Why don't you take both, then? You could take both. Uh, no, I won't take Eve, because I've never played Eve, and it's just cheating to say a game that I've never played. <laughs> That's completely against the but format. Just learning, of... the just learning the tutorials will take you 20 hours, you know? Just <laughs> that think... is true. Okay, so what else would you take, then, if you take Guild Wars and uh... Euro Truck? Would you take a GTA? Just to feel like you're part of civilization. When I was asked this question before, that's what I yeah, that's what I chose. Yeah, no, you, you've actually answered this already, haven't you? Yeah, as part of Final Games podcast. Yeah, I went on a podcast and answered this. And I think I picked Red Alert, MGS Five, GTA Five, and a few others. I can't remember Animal Crossing on uh, Nintendo platform and a few others. But yeah, I basically picked games that you could play endlessly or gave you some form of interaction. Final Fantasy X I picked as well, which is now yeah. on PC. Very good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I just wanted something to sort of, you know, to have a sense of a journey and feel like you're part of a world. Because I figure that's what you'd miss on a desert island. Yeah, maybe, anyway. maybe the isolation of the desert island is what I find need to finally get involved in the lives of the people of Stardew Valley. <laughs> maybe that's what will persuade me to be part of that community. Yeah. Is the real sense of isolation. That... Yeah. You could download all kinds of like mods to have different Oh, yeah, as well. I could get, like, I, I could get inappropriate anime Haley. <laughs> That's not because why I was suggesting. That exists. That's not what I was suggesting. But no, people... but that is like the top mod or something. No, of course it is. It's like anime added avatars and you know how mods are. If there's a woman in a game, there's a mod to make her look more appealing to the 
maker of that mod. Are there any um, sexy mods for Linus? So he just walks around with his knob out. <laughs> just is that a thing you can do? I, I, I will check later. <laughs> and if there are, I'll force Tom Sykes to put it in our next top 10 downloads <laughs> column. That sounds good. Um, okay, so would you take Stargy Valley then? Yeah, I'd take Stargy Valley, I think. Yeah, I suppose there's um, plenty of uh, long-term stuff to do in, isn't there? Because it has it... that sort of um, Harvest Mooney Nintendo replayable thing going on, but it's available on PC and so therefore is applicable to the parameters of this question. That is true. He's probably always going to update it forever as well now. As yeah, well. it sounds he's probably, like... He's made all the money, so there's no need to no need to do a paid expansion. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, they've got um, the developer... Chucklefish, is it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, working on multiplayer as well, I think. Cool. They're helping out make that. Um, was the last I heard of it, but I don't know what the status of that is, how long off it is. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, 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 it looks like there's a long tail to that game. Okay, so you got three so far then. Three, uh, would I pick 2A TF2? It's a game I've played for many, many hours, but I wonder if I'm at the kind of... I wonder if I am at the tail end of my interest in that because it's been a long time since I've been back. Mm. Like, maybe I'd pick Overwatch instead because it's new and fresh and, I mean, it's going to have a similar arc to it because it's going to be expanded. It's it's a new and interesting thing. Its expansions will be free. TF2 is weirdly baggy based on Valve's many experiments to it over the years. It, like... It almost feels like it needs them to go in and do a pass and just remove all the stuff that they kind of half did and never worked right. and they never took out again. <laughs> like there are a lot of systems within that, like certainly within like the UI and uh, the, the way unlocks work. That it just feels like someone should go in and fix that. Yeah, but they've never bothered. <laughs> all right, so you got one more then, Phil. So I've got one more. Um, you got some good bases covered there. You got? Do you want any strategy, like a sieve or something? Hmm. Like Crusader Kings Two would probably be a good shout. Yeah, yeah. Because there are now so many different stories you can tell within that, and it's got that thing of being a quite a nice, interesting strategy game, uh, quite tactical in many ways, but also not dry. It's a very story-led thing. Yeah. Um, which a lot of Paradoxes games do struggle with. A lot of strategy games just generally do. Um, I think that's what's really nice about that. The same token, it is about medieval feudal politics, <laughs> and that's quite a complicated thing to get your head around. You can you can use a wiki. Yeah, like, there's, you know, there's you no have access to wikis. Yeah, but there's like, if that's one of your five games, and you're always going back, and you're like, oh, I'm going to sit down <laughs> to feudal politics again. And you're well, like, at that point, you dry, you, you go deliver some uh, potatoes just, to Glasgow, and it's yeah, fine. Yeah, you know? yeah, but like. Red alert! You could just you can just blow up. You, 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 there, there are strategy fixes out there that don't yeah. require that much brain power. I did pick Red Alert because I, I still think that's got probably the best skirmish of any RTS game because quite possibly like because like the AI is not good. Mm. It's just really overpowered. So you start and they just send ninety <laughs> mammoth tanks to your base. But if they um, if they take each other out early it's like on, a survival can, horror. <laughs> It is a bit, yeah. It's um, it's it's just uh, I don't. Red Alert Two never did the skirmish quite as well. The AI was a bit toothless, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't think of any other game where a skirmish has really excited me that much. I don't know. Does StarCraft Two have that as well? Is that a thing you could? Is that a thing yeah, you just have skirmishes in there. You could do that um, as well. You know, that's yeah. another good choice. That is a good choice, and you've got lots of campaigns throughout. Does, does StarCraft Two count as one game? Uh, you could take the whole lot. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Have all the expansions. That's a very nice, meaty chunk of, of yeah. RTS for sure. Plenty of story in there mm, for you. Yeah, lovely. Cool. Uh, You've done five then. So what's your that's five? What's your item of pleasure? They always ask that. <laughs> so, 
That's my item of pleasure. <laughs> it's not meant to sound as filthy as that. <laughs> I just remember when Carl Pilkington was asked this, he said a big bag of revels. So, you know, if, yeah. Uh, but uh, Actually, no, it would probably be Harry Bow Sour Stripes. <laughs> no, are they Mauram? I can't remember which company produces them, but Sour Stripes are top-notch. I do like Sour Sweet, and That's, uh, I think Sour Stripes just beat out Sour Skittles okay. for the top spot there. Okay, fair enough. That's a good, that's a good answer. <laughs> I guess I'll answer Martin's question like as it was and just pick one game and I would pick GTA 5. Okay. Yeah, just because I, I don't know, I think there's enough in GTA Online now that it's got a long tail to it so you could build up an empire and Yeah, oh, the, this, I've got I've got a lot invested in GTA 5. It reminds me of uh, people I used to know and uh, things I used to do. Assholes. <laughs> No, no. Or do you mean people? <laughs> what? It's just more like the GTA series I've been playing since I was quite a young man, right? Illegally, because my dad bought it. Police, if you want to go after him, he lives in <laughs> he lives in Brixham in the United Kingdom. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing. I played GTA three when I was thirteen, and like, um, I, you know, I've got a lot invested in that series. The radio stations give you a lot to listen to if you're yeah. going mad, you know. Um, a nice connection to. But then, again. The rules of this whole thing are like we have made most of them up. Yeah, but even based on Desert Island Disc, I mean, if we're assuming an internet connection, you've got, you've got Steam, mate. It's true, yeah. You just access Steam. Yeah, it's like yeah. I guess my uh, my one uh, game would just be Steam. <laughs> yeah, that'd be yeah. it. What okay, well, what if you didn't have access to your bank account? Or your bank account was empty. I was like, oh, I know the details to our press accounts. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah um, so yeah I would probably pick GTA 5 um, but that ask me on another day and I'd probably change my well, mind well that's the problem Minecraft like, would be yeah, another good one wouldn't it yeah, I, I'm sick of Minecraft <laughs> I can't do it <laughs> uh, yeah I just can't do it anymore I guess any game with a sort of sense of craft but yeah like yeah. all that or, or just like an active community scene Skyrim would be a good choice probably just because of how often it expands and that's true morphs but like because you that's one of those games where hopefully eventually you're getting multiple games you're getting that Skywind remake when it's released Endaral the the other one we did a mod feature about because <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. like huge and impressive thing they're making um, yeah and, and the thing you talked about last week where this uh, Skyrim remastered will apparently support um, it, yeah it's yeah. now confirmed that it is a 64 bit um Upgrade. Which didn't you say that's what Skywind devs were asking for? So they, they, I mean, they basically said that if it was that, it would enable them to make a much better mod, and that yeah. is the case. That's, that is promising. So, then. yeah, and that's I, a the, good reason for it to exist. And the re release of that game will probably galvanize that mod community again. Hopefully. Um, who, I don't know, maybe have lost interest in Fallout. I've no idea. Um, well, they've not released the official creation Garden of Eden creation kit thing. Yeah. The, the official mod tools aren't out there that's yet. That's a good point, yeah. Which, if I was a cynical person, I might wonder if it's because they're still on the old DLC train right now. Right. And we're going to wait until, like, we've got the, the, the this latest season of DLC out of the way, and then it's like, now now the community can take over. Ah, oh, fair enough. Okay, well, yeah, Skyrim's a good choice, too. But uh, Or Carmageddon. These mm. are all good, uh, good suggestions. Oh, Carmageddon's great. Like, maybe SimCity, that'd be good. That'd oh, that's, be good. That's, or City Skyline. Yeah, City Skylines. All the DLC for that would just help too. And also mods and yeah. Yeah. And the, yeah, yeah. Just think you could just you know, you could just build that uh giant vat of shit like that guy did. <laughs> yes. And just have that's it an wash amazing out video. Um, after yeah. after I'm going to include that now in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> and the expansions are really um are really mm. good as well. So yeah, I hope that hopefully that's answered your question, Martin. If only Red Dead was on PC, I'd definitely pick that. Would you? I think so. There's not enough going on in terms of open world stuff. I just love looking at it and the like just the the vistas and the 
It's, it's a, not, a nice place. It's a nice game for sure. But very I think, evocative and atmospheric. I, I suppose I, I get, you really do hate the characters in GTA V, don't you? Just, uh, uh, I don't, not as much as Chris does. I, right, think. Yeah. I think he hates them more than I do. But I, I don't know, I prefer the setting. I like westerns. I've always enjoyed westerns and... Yeah, that's one I can live in for a bit. Yeah, five is my choice because it feels like the real world, and I'll still have some connection to it through this video game. That that alone. I, I've got I've got Stargy for that. That's that's true. You got Linus. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling sad. Go talk to Linus. Um, you can start like from your island. Just start sending uh, emails to the creator of uh, Stargy Valley. Can you add more dialogue for Linus? He says the same <laughs> thing every fucking day. It's driving me mad. I'll try a Linus mod. <laughs> Linus Sexy Mod by Phil Savage. His opening gambit will be our all over from a few months ago. <laughs> our back page joke. That is true. If you read um, the magazine, you'll know that joke. It was uh, a good gag. It's good. Um, okay, cool. Well, hopefully that's answered your question, Martin. We went into uh, way too much depth there. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with the uh, a regular roster, probably of me, Phil and Andy. Maybe probably. Tom. Maybe Chris. Who knows? Um, one day we might get me and Chris on the same podcast. You know, you could, we can but hope. Um Yes, thank you very much for listening. If you want to subscribe on iTunes, that'd be much appreciated. Leave us a review; that'd be great. And uh, yeah, no, I'm over reviews now. Don't bother no. with a review. <laughs> I'm um, bored. Tweet people instead. I want I want to see people tweeting about the podcast. That's true. That's true. And then so um, use yeah. the hashtag hashtag PC Gamer Podcast or just PCG <laughs> Podcast. I will be searching for it. Okay, finding out if someone's doing it. Well, that's good. And like we say, PCGamerFutureNet.com. If you've got any emails, uh, we've got a magazine out now. It's got Dishonored Two on the cover. Mm -hmm. A few weeks, we'll have another issue out, which has got uh, well, should we say what it is? Civilization Six on the cover. Yeah, a uh, lovely bit of uh, gigantic artwork on the uh, cover of a yep. man holding up uh, the Earth. I played a bunch of that, and then I wrote about it. It's really cool. Um, there's a bunch of E3 preview stuff in there as well, and it's going to be really good. Uh, we've also got a, like a, a guide to indie games, uh, kind of like compilation book coming out as mm. well, uh, which has got No Man's Sky on the cover, so look out for that. And that's me done plugging things, I think. Go to PCGamer.com for your PC gaming needs. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week.